bets, chances, risks. Every decision we must make, there's a new calculation going on. How much do I want this? What am I willing to put out there in hopes of getting something in return? But it doesn't matter what hand we are dealt, whether it's blackjack, 20, or 10, to know God is by our side. This should give us the confidence to take chances, to be bold and go all in on God. In Matthew 22, Jesus tells us the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. God isn't bluffing. It's time to go all in. Hey, you guys. Good to see you guys again. For, if for those of you who are here for the first time, I just want to say welcome and that we're so thankful that you guys chose to be here tonight. And hopefully you're feeling connected and that we don't scare you away so you can come back next week. Um, for those that don't know me, my name is Mark Knutson, and I'm the director here at Unite. And for the past few weeks, we've been doing this series called All In. And the idea behind this series is much like in the game of poker, when you have an extremely good hand, you put all your chips in and they call that going all in. And then in relation to that, God is calling each of us to go all in with him. And we know this because we see in Matthew 22, 37, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so to recap the last couple of weeks, I, we started off this series with how do we love God with all our heart? And the, the first way is with his help. We talk about how God created us with this, this God-shaped hole in our heart that only he could fill. And that the truest desire of our heart is to delight in him, to know him and to love him. And then the next thing, how we can love God with all our heart was to aim to make him our treasure. Because the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so this idea that we have to make the decision to make God our treasure and then our heart would follow after him. And then the question, what does it look like for someone that loves God with all their heart? And, and it was this idea that it looks like someone that is content in all circumstances. And we had the example of Paul who had been beaten and thrown into prison, nearly killed so many times. And he said that it was all worth it for the, the gain of Christ. He was content in all circumstances. And it's not that we welcome bad things to come into our life. It's just that we're able to see through the bad things that happen and we see a God who is with us every step of the way. And then the last thing, how, what it looks like to, to love God with all your heart was, um, it looks like one of the fruits of the spirit, which is love. When we fall in love with God with all our heart, it affects how we treat others around us. And then last week, if you were here, my beautiful wife Holly spoke on loving, what does it look like to love God with all your soul? And it looks like loving him with your whole life, not just a portion of your life, but your whole life. And it looks like, like loving him above anybody and everything else. And lastly, it looked like loving him with obedience. And then she shared just her own personal journey of, of working through learning how to, to love him with her soul and, and to love him through obedience. And so, I don't know about you guys, but I hope that you guys have been enjoying this series, that it's been beneficial for you, encouraging for you. I know for me personally, I've been wrestling through some of the stuff in a good way though. And um, yeah, I just, I just hope that 
it speaks to you is I, I believe that God has, has been speaking to me. And I realize that each of these talks, um, it's gonna hit each of you differently. I realize for some of you, maybe the first couple weeks, you can relate or you, you feel like you can connect with God emotionally, where you love him with your, your heart and your soul. And there might be others of you that feel like you can relate more with the idea of connecting with God more intellectually uh, than emotionally. And really the hope and the prayer of all of it is that, that each of us grow in all these areas, that we don't come to this complacent mindset of like, well, this is just the way I am. I think more intellectually or I think more emotionally. God, Jesus is saying here to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And so the, the idea is that we all would become better versions of ourselves when we would grow in each of these areas. And so we're gonna talk about this last part of, of Matthew 22, 37, which, you know, how do we love God with all our mind? And before I jump into that, I wanna share this statement with you guys. And the statement is from a prominent Ivy League professor. And he said this a couple of years ago. He says, let me summarize my views loudly and clearly. There are no gods. There are no purposes. There are no goal-directed forces of any kind. There's no life after death. When I die, I am absolutely certain that I'm going to be dead. That's the end of me. There's no ultimate foundation for ethics, no ultimate meaning in life, and no free will for human beings either. Now, this is an odd statement to make. You think if a person um, is saying nothing matters, that one would not take the time to make a statement like that. If nothing matters, why say it? But apparently he thought saying nothing matters or nothing is important, he thought it was important to say that. And why do I, I share this? Well, unfortunately, this statement that, that I just read to you guys represents a growing segment of our culture. And a lot of the, the academic, academic elites, like professors that teach at colleges and universities, there's a stereotype about Christians from some that you have to turn off your brain and you have to jump off the cliff of, of reason and intellect in order to believe in Jesus, or as they would say, the, the fairy tales that were written thousands of years ago. And here's a, a quote from uh, Bertrand Russell. He says it this way, he says, most Christians would rather die than think. In fact, they do. And have you ever met some of these people, either the, the non-believers who, who think Christians are stupid or ignorant, or unfortunately, some of the Christians who really are? And it's no fun, is it? And sometimes we have to wonder if those Christians have actually read the Bible or even taken the time to actually research the things that they're, they're saying, or if they just get their knowledge from their favorite TV preacher, televangelist, or the internet, because we all know if it's on the internet, it's gotta be true, right? And so tonight we're gonna be talking about how do we love God with all our mind? And my hope is that as we cover this, what we can also answer is the question is, how do we become people who don't fit this stereotype I just mentioned? How do we become people who can articulate what we believe, why we believe it, why other people should believe it, and why biblical Christianity is a reasonable faith for reasonable people? And tonight's talk is tough. It, it's tough, and here's part of it is because there's so many directions that, that we can take um, 
in, in relation to the mind. And one of, one of the thoughts I had was, well, maybe I can cover apologetics, which is kind of the intellectual way to explain Christianity to, to maybe somebody that doesn't believe. And I totally think that that is so important, and I'm, I'm hoping that we can do that here. Sometime I do know that as a church, we are going to be covering some apologetics come around Easter time. So check that out. It's going to be a great time. But I realized when I was reading Matthew 22, 37, when Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, his words were directed at those who already professed that they believed and they loved God. He was talking to the Pharisees of the time, the religious leaders. And so tonight, I'm going to be talking directly, as Jesus did, to those of you who call yourselves Christians. And my hope is that if you're in this room and you're not a Christian, I hope that tonight would also be insightful for you. And I hope, honestly, that it would stir maybe some questions for you too. And if you are here tonight and you don't believe, I just want to reiterate that I'm so glad that you're here. And I hope that you would always feel comfortable to be here, no matter what you believe, and that this is a safe place to bring questions of all sorts. All right, so here we go. Let's talk about the mind. First off, what does it mean, what does it mean to love God with all your mind? I believe it means to think rightly about God. You see, we all have a view that maybe we've picked up throughout our lives, and maybe some of you still hold it today, even at this point. Some of you might have this view that God is this absent father, or he's very distant and just seems very disconnected and far away from your life. Some of you might have this view that God is some authoritarian that is just waiting for you to mess up and he's gonna punish you. Some of you might have this view of God that he's like a genie where you only come to him when you need or want something. Or maybe there's some other view that you might have of God. Uh, A.W. Tozer, who was a, a really well-known pastor and author, he once said this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And why would he say something like that? because it affects your choices and your lifestyle. Your view of God is the most important thing about you. For instance, if you have this view of God that he is this absent or distant father, then most likely you're not including him in your everyday decisions or the choices that you make or your lifestyle. Or if you have the view of authoritarian, which is what I, as a kid, I, I always say that I had a warped view of God. And I did, I viewed him as this, this authoritarian that was just waiting for me to, to mess up and he was gonna punish me. And I mean, it was bad. I remember just being afraid when I was so young, like if I said a cuss word, that my whole day would be ruined, that, that he was just waiting to punish me throughout that day. And I might've been scarred a little bit too. If you guys remember, I, I have an identical twin brother and when we were growing up, he said, you know, a, a curse word and my mom comes stumbling down the stairs like, who said that? And out of self-preservation, my brother just points to me and I'm like, wait, what? And my mom grabs me, drags me up the stairs and puts soap in my mouth. And to this day, I don't like the taste of soap. Uh, not that too many people do, right? But anyways, this, this view that I had of God, this warped view, 
it, it led me to make decisions in my life and really just affected my lifestyle where I felt like I was living in some sort of merit system where if I did good, that God would reward me. And if I did bad, that he was going to punish me. And it started feeling a little legalistic or as we'd say like a works mentality. It didn't feel very loving or unconditional. And I realize even today, I still have to surrender this wrong view of God that I've held for so many years in my life. And I have to learn how to think of him more rightly. And maybe you're here tonight and you realize the view of God that you might have might be a little bit off or it's, it's just not right. And my prayer tonight is that you would open yourself up and that you would learn how to see God, how he wants you to see him. And the key word here is learn. And it actually brings us to our first point of how do we love God with all our mind? And the answer to that is be a constant learner. One of the reasons God gave you a brain was so that you could get into the scriptures and to learn about him and to serve him and to love him. And a follower of Jesus is something we call a disciple. And one of the definitions of disciple is learner. And to be really a learner, you have to use your brain. And if you're committed to learning about the things of God, then you're loving him with all your mind. And how can we be a constant learner? Well, the, the short answer would be to become familiar with the Bible, God's word. Many Christians, and maybe some of you are here tonight, if you were told that you could only survive on the intake of the Bible, unfortunately, some of you would starve. And here's the thing. Um, you're not supposed to rely on my time or Pastor Allen or Pastor Wally's time in the word in order for you to to grow in your faith and to love Jesus like you should. You're supposed to rely on your time in God's word. And church isn't supposed to be your only exposure to scripture. And if it is, then even though you love God, you're not loving him with all your mind. And so get familiar with scripture. And I'm gonna give you guys four quick ways on how to be a constant learner really to get familiar. And the first is to learn what the Bible says. And I mentioned this a lot, but I'll repeat it again, that, that I'm not perfect. I might say things wrong. In fact, I might have even said some things wrong tonight. And here's the thing, but the Bible is perfect. It's true, always. It will always trump whatever I say. And so always check what I'm saying and measure it to what the Bible's saying. Because if I'm, if, if I'm not matching up to it, then you dismiss whatever I'm saying and you stick with what the Bible's saying. And this is not a new concept to our faith. We actually were modeled this in Acts 17, 10 through 12. It reads, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those of Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So these Berean Jews, they were smart and they used their minds. And it says they were eager to examine the scriptures to see that all that Paul was saying was true. And I'm asking you guys to do the same for me too. And, and 
I don't know about you, but the fact that they're saying this, these people had noble character, I would aspire to have noble character and, and the eagerness to examine the scriptures. Like, I, I want that too. I don't want to be like the people that Paul and Silas just left the town where they're like, they, they weren't like that at all. But these people, they, they were eager for the scriptures and examining it to see that all that we said was true. And so again, I'm asking you guys to do that for me. Get to know what the Bible says. Because here's the thing, the Bible says a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that we deal with every day. You see, the Bible is not something that is outdated or irrelevant. It is the living word. It talks about stuff uh, like relationships, marriage, sex, work, raising kids, getting along with others, money, clothes, worry, anxiety, peace in times of trouble, and so much more. So learn what the Bible says. And then the next thing is learn what the Bible doesn't say. And there's, this is something that Christians really need to get a hold of because there's so much false information out there about God, about heaven, about hell, about Jesus. And it's not from just non-believers that, that don't like Jesus or, or people that believe in other religions that are saying this. Unfortunately, a lot of this false information is coming from people that have professed or at least claimed to be Christians. And they might use... Or they might quote the Bible, but they don't know what it's really saying. At the least, they're, in what they're trying to discuss, it, it's not matching up. And I don't know about you guys, but how many of you have heard um, some of these things that people would say are from the Bible, but they're truly not? The, the first one that you might hear is God helps those who help themselves. It sounds right, but he's never said that. It's not in the Bible. And I don't think God ever expects us to, to carry it all on our own without him. And then the next one is, is God won't give you any more than you can handle. Wouldn't that be nice? I think we could all say that that's not true. It's not anywhere found in the Bible. And I think many of us can, can say that we've been in circumstances or situations in our life that felt more than we can handle on our own. All right, so learn what's in the Bible and then what's not in the Bible. Next thing, learn how to apply the Bible. And here's the thing, to love God with all your mind, it's going to take more than just reading just merely the Bible. You need to apply what you read to your life. And we know this from James 1.22 through 25. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks in the mirror, or his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so James points out here a major flaw in a lot of the thinking of Christians that all they need to do is, is get input from the Bible and, and they're, that's it, they're okay. And they might read it or maybe they get what they get from Sunday morning or for our sake Tuesday night and that's it. They don't ever do anything with it. And this verse is saying that if you do that, if you don't do anything that you've just heard from the word, that you're just fooling yourself. You're trying to deceive yourself. But Christians who love God with all their mind, Christians who want to, to love God rationally need to learn 
how to apply the Bible when they come across Scripture. They read the Bible and it says to do something, and they do it. It says to not do something, and they stop doing something. And, and, or they come across a principle in Scripture that they hadn't heard of before, and, and they spend time thinking and asking God how to make it a part of their life. All right, and so lastly, the way to be a constant learner is to learn the why of your faith. In 1 Peter 3.15b, it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And this is, this is an area that I used to be very intimidated by. Because I, I would feel like, well, you know, what if this really articulate, articulate um, skeptic just he asked a tough question. Like, I didn't feel like I knew enough to defend the Bible perfectly or accurately. And so I was always intimidated. And then I heard sometimes that this verse was described in a way, well, basically, it, you, all you have to do is share your story, like your testimony, like we were singing about earlier, your testimony, like wh where did you find your hope and how did God change your life? And although I would say that's 100% true, and it's so good to be able to share your story. As, a, as when I was younger, I actually used it as an out. And what I mean is like, I, I thought like, that's all I needed was my story. And that I didn't really need to get to know the scriptures or the Bible because I just have my story, right? That should be enough. But the sad thing is that some of these skeptics they read the Bible and they have more questions than we have answers, you know, because they've been reading so much about the Bible and they probably understand more of it than some of us because we don't open the word. And I believe, again, that God gave us a brain for a reason. He is, he's not just asking us to, to have blind faith. In fact, if you read the scripture, you start realizing there's some solid evidence in here. And, and even beyond that, there's historical facts and, and so much things that we can have confidence in that should really help boost our faith. And so get familiar with the word. I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard, there's this book um, called Case for Christ. I highly recommend it. It's the story of this journalist who was a huge skeptic of Jesus and his story and how he died and rose again. And, and so he goes on this journey of, of, of trying to disprove it. And what he ends up finding is that there's so much stuff backing the story that it actually requires more faith not to believe. And so it's, it's an amazing book. I encourage you to read. If you're not much of a reader, I'm going to challenge you to read. But... There is also the movie. You could watch the movie, and the movie's good as well. Another book, too, that I'm, I'm currently reading is called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Um, and the idea is, reading these books, it kind of maybe gives you a perspective from a skeptic, and it helps you to understand maybe even how to answer some of the tough questions that they might have. So get to know the scriptures. Be a constant learner. And so I'll be honest with you, there's so many different ways in how we can love God with all our mind. And the truth is we just don't have all the time in the world to talk about them all. So I want to conclude tonight with just one last way in how we can love God with all our mind. And it's to remember him. And I realize this sounds so basic, 
But throughout the Bible, it commands us to remember him. And remembering him is one of the best ways how we can love him with all our mind. We use the memory part of our mind. In the Old Testament, the Israelites would, would stack stones. They call them memorial stones, and they would stack them to remind them of what God had done for them, whether it be a victory or a war or, or walking into promised lands. And today, many people might wear a cross around their neck or even have tattoos that remind them of what God has done for them. You know, we take communion in remembrance of him. We sing praises like we have already tonight to remind us of him and his goodness. And it says in Isaiah 63, 7, I will tell of the kindness of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us. And then I felt God just gave me this other verse that I kind of just inserted in my talk tonight. Um, and it's from Moses. As Holly was talking a lot about Moses last week and how he was sharing to the, the Israelites um, exactly what we're talking about, how to love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. And this is what he said in Deuteronomy 4.9. It says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. It kind of reminded me of that song, the blessing to, to your children and to their children. And I realized though tonight that maybe some of us are benefactors of either grandparents or parents that held true to this, this request of remembering God, not letting it fade from their hearts. But I also realize that some of you in here, maybe your family doesn't believe in God and you don't ever hear these things. And, and if that's you, I, I want to encourage you that you can be the, the change for the generations to come within your family. That you would share and remind what God has done in your life to your kids and then to their kids. Memories lead to gratefulness and worship when we use our minds to remember his kindness, faithfulness, patience, peace, and, and so much more, we build a foundation of faith, hope, and love. We are loving God with our remembrance of him. And maybe some of you, you don't really want to use the memory part of your mind because some of you cannot forget the negative events of the past because the past has a voice. And oftentimes that voice is our own. And we just put it on repeat over and over again. And it's tough, but with God's help, we need to triumph over that voice with the voice of truth. And don't allow your past to freeze you, but instead allow it to lead you into the depths of God's love. In a practical way, I, I used to be better about this, but I would, I would do what they call prayer journaling. And if you've never heard that term before, really, it's just writing your prayer out in a journal. As simple as that. And you just have honest conversations with God. And I would, I would write these prayers, you know, going through tough times, something that I was struggling through, and just writing these requests to God. 
And then it's powerful when you look back and you go back to it and you see how God was so good and so faithful. A cool example for me was when I was your guys' age, often I found myself praying for my future wife before I ever knew her. And I'd just ask God to, that she was growing in love with him and then asking that she would, that both of us would be ready for the day that we would meet. And the cool thing about it is the night that I proposed to my wife, God put it on my heart to go back and collect all these entries of the times that I prayed for my future wife. And I made like a scrapbook for her. And it was just so cool to look through that. And on the last page, it, it just had the date. And it said, it was, it was my last entry. And it just said, tonight I met this girl named Holly. And it was just so cool and powerful to see how good and faithful God was. And it's so important to remember, to see the things that he's done in our past so that we can be encouraged for what we might be dealing with today or what we might be dealing with tomorrow. And if any of you guys want to do that, I, I totally, I'll give you, you, you can pretend it was your idea if you do that for your future wife. I won't, I won't say anything. And I think it did, it won me some brownie points with my wife. Um, but then it also set up a, you know, how do I top that, you know? And now, nothing but disappointment. No, I'm kidding. Oh, man. The good old days. All right, so quick review. How do we love God with all our mind? First, be a constant learner. And how do we be a constant learner? Learn what the Bible says. Learn what the Bible doesn't say. Apply what the Bible says and learn the why of your faith. And then lastly, remember him. You guys, I, I realize that loving God with all your mind is probably one of the toughest of the three things that we've talked about in this series. Because your mind is where the everyday battle takes place. I mean, for some of us, it's just waking up in the morning, right? It's a battle of like, oh, I don't I don't want to go through today. It's just, it's the battlefront. And if you think about the challenges of life in general, it always starts first in the mind. And one of the pastors that I, I, I love to listen to and, and, and look up to is Craig Rochelle. And this is what he says. He says, your life moves in the direction of your strongest thought. And it just reiterates this power of the mind and the thoughts that we carry. And our minds... They're inundated with information and images every day that can distract us from God and his way of thinking. And this is why I believe the Bible challenges us in Philippians 4.8. It says, from now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things, all that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely and all that is worthy of praise. This tells me that loving God with all your mind is probably one of the greatest acts as a Christian we can do because of how difficult it is and how intentional you have to be. Can you imagine what it would be like if non-believers only encountered Christians who loved God with all their minds? People who love God could explain why they believe 
in ways that the unbeliever understood and could relate to. People who are in the scriptures learning and applying the things of God in their own lives. People who totally blow up the stereotype of the, the ignorant or stupid Christians. I believe it would honor God to love him this way. And I think we would be blessed as individuals, as a church, as a community, if we took seriously this command to love God with all our minds. In fact, as, as we close up this, this whole series, imagine what this world, what, imagine what would be happening to us in, in this world if we were all in, if we loved God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. I imagine it would be transformational. I imagine it would look a lot like the early church where thousands daily were coming to know Jesus because they would see the disciples and they would see that they were all in, that they loved God with all their heart, with all their soul, and all their mind. I don't know about you guys, but I want that for my life. And I pray and I hope that you want it for yours too. And if you were anything like I talked about a couple weeks ago, for me, I always had this, this idea like, oh, yeah, yeah, someday when I'm older, then I'll be all in. But for now, I kind of want to just do my own thing. If that's you tonight, I just want to say that we're not guaranteed even tomorrow. You don't want to put it off. And I gave that analogy, if you remember, my son brushing his teeth for an hour and a half on the day of the dentist appointment. And I had to explain to him it's not just the day of the appointment that matters, but it matters how you treated your teeth the previous days, the year, the, all the days in between. In the same way, on our day of the appointment, you want to be able to look back through your life and see that you were all in and that you didn't just wait to the last minute. So let's start now. I'm going to call the worship team up. And I'm going to pray here. But before I do, I just want to encourage you guys again. Get to know God's word. I know we, we might say it a lot of it because I truly believe this is an area that many of us as Christians lack in. We are attention deficit, like we, we just don't have the attention to read even hardly anymore. And I believe it's the enemy's greatest distractions in our life to keep us from reading God's truth. Let me pray for us. Dear God, uh, we thank you for your love for us, God. We thank you for your command and your challenge, God, to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. God, you know the desires of our heart, and you know that we need your help to do this. And God, I just pray if there's anybody in here tonight, God, that doesn't know you, that you would just stir within their heart, Lord, that they would desire to investigate you, to ask hard questions. And God, for those of us that do know you, I pray that we would also investigate so that we could help answer hard questions, Lord. 
that we would use the mind that you've given us, God, and not take it for granted. God, you are the wisest of the wise. You know every thought of the smartest person here on earth, Lord. God, may we just find our confidence in you and know that you are good. And God, as we continue to, to worship you through song, may it just be something that reminds us of your goodness and what you've done in our life. May we never forget what we have seen or let our heart fade from your love. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite, follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org unite. God bless. Mm-hmm.